It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long. And you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy, with your hosts, Caleb, Isaac, and Brianna. Listen in as I discuss the 1996 film, Avita. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, those in between and affiliated to the novice elitist. And today we have a, a new brand new series. Caleb, what, what are we doing here today? Yes, we're finally kicking off. We've been talking about it for a while, about doing a series covering musicals. And I believe at the moment we only have three booked. But we're going to do 100. Yeah, I guess if it's a success, we'll yeah, expand out and cover some more. But we're starting today with Brianna's pick, which was Evita. I'm excited to hear some more details about that, but... I know for you, Isaac, I guess you wanted the front to cover some of the criteria of what counts the musical for these types of uh, picks. Right. Yes. No, this is this is definitely fair because, you know me, I'm a I'm a I'm a Sith Lord who deals in absolutes stickler. And I was I was say exactly stickler. I'm only trying to uh, question how can we determine the litmus test and or we have to lay out rules to determine what counts as a musical and what does not count as a musical um because you and i had this like the other day you know saying okay well what is what is what, is, what counts what what counts and what doesn't count um because even i was like okay well i don't know exactly what my pick is going to be i i have one of course hmm. but i don't know what we're what i was going to do initially and i was like well what, what counts is this like for instance uh from a few years ago like bohemian rhapsody or um uh rocket man or recently i want to dance with somebody do those count, even though those are biopics or like ray do those count as bio uh, as as musicals because they have they are about like an artist's life or are or are they something else and you came up with a term or at least you have that term what is that term sir yeah i think those ones were called jukebox musicals i think i don't like that i'm not 100 sure i remember we we did go and look at the uh whatever the wikipedia <laughs> criteria was which i'm not sure how official that is for our our series here but grain of salt please ladies yeah. and gentlemen we'll yeah. Philly, grain of salt keep that in mind uh for, for another one for instance is like sing the illumination movie uh that would also probably count as like a jukebox musical even even in a way i guess like gardens of the galaxy as well just because they have a mixtape or a, oh um, no see this <laughs> this is where it's getting lost but that's just like music playing in the background not like anybody singing exactly well, no, because sometimes Peter Quill is singing the songs, depending, like, in that... In that <laughs> oh, okay, no. but, like, any movie where someone, like, sings along to a song becomes a musical, like, that's too much of a stretch. Yeah, see, this This is why I wanted to start with this, because, yeah, I, I feel like, even though I, I wouldn't have guessed that we'd had to make some criteria, and knowing Isaac and his, he likes to bend the rules around the corners, 
So I feel like we gotta lay something down. I don't like to bend the rules necessarily. I like to at least um, talk about like, okay, we have to we have to find where where are the borderlines? Where where is the line to draw? Okay, like uh, make sure that you know we, we find no loopholes or anything like that. I'm trying to prevent myself from um, <laughs> creating a loophole in this. Uh, so it's like, so what, Caleb? In your mind, or at least for what we're defining it as, what is a musical? Uh, I maybe this is too rigid, but I tend to think that a musical is something that kind of exists outside of our normal existence. They they just live in a a universe where people express their big emotions, or in something like this, which is essentially an opera, just all the all the dialogue is all just expressed in song, and that's just normal. It's not like we're going to see a stage performance, something like that. There's lots of musicals that all the dialogue isn't in song, though. There's lots of musicals where some of the dialogue is spoken. Yeah, I would say most musicals, and that's one of the things that differentiates this movie, is most of them are kind of mainly dialogue interspersed with songs. Yeah, to express big emotions or, or big kind of moments. Whereas this, yeah, more of an opera style, the whole thing is essentially singing. With occasionally, I guess just for impact, a couple moments here or there, just regular spoken dialogue. Well, which I like. I wish that we see more movies doing this. I really couldn't think of too many more examples. Jesus Christ Superstar? Oh, I never saw that one. Mm. But but that that's at least the criteria that I came up with. I don't know if you two agree, but... I think a musical, it, it, something counts as a musical if people sing in a situation where it wouldn't be normal for them to sing. Which is kind of what you said, but less specific. Mm. Like, I would say, like, for example, Isaac said, like, the Sing movie. I would say that doesn't count because, like, they're singing a lot, but, like, they're only singing, like, they're performing. Yes. Like, they're singing on purpose and it makes sense. Whereas, like, lots of other Disney movies, like, I don't know, like, Cinderella, I would say would count because they're singing in, like, a random situation where people in the real world wouldn't be singing. Yeah, it's it's like a, a touch of like magical realism or something where you just have to accept that that's just how it exists in this world. People just just do that. And by the way, I wish I did live in that world. I wish that people would just burst out in a song <laughs> yeah. when they're having a bad day or a good day or or like in this movie when they're just pronouncing things. <laughs> like me and Brianna were commenting because we watched this together that we love when they're announcing a Peron as the new uh, president, that they're just singing it out. It's like, oh, would that, wouldn't that be so much more fun? Yeah. Uh, what a nice world that be. <laughs> what doesn't count is like the Enchanted movie because that one really is, is trying to like make fun of the fact of, of these kind of things where it's like, oh, isn't that like they, they like to point out, hey, singing out loud in like in person is, is stupid. Mm. That, that was the, the whole yeah. like, thing of that movie. That's, that's not true. Well, <laughs> something else. I would say Enchanted is technically a musical, but like I also agree with you that like it's kind of making fun of musicals and it's like self-aware so it's not really yeah. the same yeah that's when it becomes like a gray area because it's a meta meta kind of joke movie playing up with the musicals mm, look at us yeah we were postmodern and yeah, we hate musicals yeah anyway. <laughs> oh i don't know <laughs> yeah get out of here sorry i don't know if that's true <laughs> i like that movie at least the first one really no no that's that's, that's definitely fair that first movie's kind of fun it's okay i didn't see the second one 
It wasn't very good. Yeah, it was actually quite poor. It really strange. It was quite shocking, honestly, that everybody came back for that. Yeah. Um. I guess Mary Poppins would also count as a musical. Yeah, I would say Mary Poppins counts. Yeah, but uh, maybe moving away from the uh, yeah, criteria, <laughs> moving on to the pick for today, <laughs> Avita. What we can't talk about it for an hour. Actually, actually, wait, wait, hang on a second. I just realized another thing. You, you guys heard the term like diegetic? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't. Yeah, it means uh, diegetic. It means like. Uh, Sound that the people in the movie can hear and us can hear. It's not just like background score. Oh, yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. So in this case, anything that is diegetic and that the uh, players of the piece with like the, the people inside the movie itself, uh, whether it's coming from them or somebody else, that is like, like it is recognized by the narrative itself as it being a musical. So that's another piece of the criteria. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, and, and just to start with this movie, I, I did want to start with our uh, kind of initial initial experience coming into this movie. Well, I, guess I'll, I guess I'll start with myself, because it kind of leads into Brianna's. Um, but I'd never really heard of this movie much until I met Brianna. This is uh, yeah, something that would come up very frequently and has still come up very frequently throughout our uh, our time together all these years. And I think we, I can't remember if we just watched it just to watch it or if we were doing like a musical series at the time, just between the two of us. But yeah, we've definitely watched it a number of times together, and my appreciation for it has grown each time I watched it. Uh, so thank you for uh, for showing it to me. Uh, but that goes over to you, Brianna. What was your first time seeing this, if you remember, and you know, what's your experiences with it? Um, well, I've been watching it since I was a kid. I, I'm pretty sure I remember the first time I watched it, which was at my grandparents' house. My mom was born in Argentina. Like, we're not argentine like my my grandma's german but my mom was born in argentina and she lived there you know until she was i think five um and so i kind of had like a i was interested in it because my my mom was from argentina and my grandma showed it to me and she really liked it and she um was living in argentina at this time i believe at the time where uh ava peron was you know actually existing oh wow and um, I'm not 100% sure if she lived there at the time, but I know that her husband, uh, my grandpa who died before I was born, he, he grew up uh, in Argentina. So he, uh, I, re- I remember my uncle Dick, his brother, uh, telling me that uh, they went to school um, and like they, when they went to school, like they would learn about her in school. And this was like when hmm. uh, they were in power. So it was kind of, interesting but anyways yeah I've I've just always liked the musical since my grandma showed it to me when I was a kid and I was you know a little nerd kid and I loved singing and like um I would learn the the music and I sang it in the talent show and my mom always listened to the like I don't have experience just with the movie I've never seen the play um unfortunately I've never had the chance to but I've I've heard you know the concept album and the the album from when it played in the West End and I think the Broadway album as well. So but I grew up hearing lots of different versions of the songs too. So yeah, that's the end of my story. <laughs> and I've gone on to hear many of those versions just uh, driving around in the car with them popping up. At least a couple of them. Uh, but how about you, Isaac? What, what, what were your kind of experience coming into this thing? I am amazed to hear, Brianna, your history with this entire series and how it actually may tie into your family history as well. And here I come in as an ignorance and a person who has watched this film today and only has experienced it once and 
never even knew about it and then did some research and oh boy this this movie oh oh my <laughs> yeah and i wanted to ask you isaac because uh I, I i started thinking and i was like is this is this really the case but is this our first time covering anything with antonio banderas in it i believe if we're not counting talking about him briefly in uh dial of destiny then no oh i completely forgot that he was in that our first time uh talking about mr or senior banderas yeah and that's surprising because growing up i feel like i used to see this guy all the time i'd watch a lot of stuff that he was in and when i saw this movie for the first time i was like oh wow like this, this is a this is a great role for him playing che here i think he's so charming i love having him as the kind of almost host for the movie like a narrator and a host just always passing through playing different characters i think that kind of role is also quite interesting in in a musical movie i feel like you'd see that more on the stage but i can't think of too many well i mean it's adapted from a stage musical yeah i can't think of too many film musicals that have that kind of presence in it hercules hercules yeah like because they because of the muses yeah you're right Okay. Yep. No, you're right. Same kind of thing. Yep. Um, and I don't know. Obviously, it's it's very brief, but we have that. Um, was it? We have that guy in the in the intro of Aladdin, where he talks about you know when oh, he was yeah. Ara- Arabian. I don't know if that that's a, that probably shouldn't count, but he's like it sort of counts. He's our yeah. He he kind of introduces us to the entire world. He doesn't go through. He doesn't narrate the whole yeah. piece, but he at least introduces us to that. So it's like and. I guess some of those Renaissance films were kind of. I think there was a. I don't, I don't know who who the like uh, unknown narrator was in the beginning of Beauty and the Beast, but they had the, like you know they had the, they opened us up with a story of how the beast was. Well, the prince was turned into the beast. Oh yeah, but yeah. maybe not the same thing. I think it's that's not the same way. Yeah, it's a little different. Well, I I think it's like moderately unique the way that he kind of they kind of like weave him into the story where he plays like all different characters, but still kind of the same character at the same time. I've seen a lot of people say it's gimmicky, but I've always liked it. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned uh, because I was going to bring up some of that Disney Renaissance stuff because I'm not sure about Andrew Lloyd Webber, but I know Tim Rice, the one who wrote all the lyrics for this, had some work with the Disney Renaissance stuff. I think it was Aladdin, and uh, I can't remember the other one. So, yeah, maybe he was bringing some of that kind of stage history to those movies. Maybe I'll quickly look up Andrew Lloyd Webber. You guys keep going. Because I, I feel like he did, too, but I can't remember now that I'm thinking about it. I'm not familiar with Lloyd Webber doing any of uh, any anything related or regarding uh, the Disney Renaissance. Uh, of course, you know, I can be uh, incorrect on that. But... I mean, this this film though. I don't, don't want to get into too much because this is very similar. It, it's it's funny because I don't want to get to my pick, but <laughs> given that my pick is also an Andrew Lloyd Webber mm-hmm. uh, or Sir, sorry, he's he's knighted, Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> uh, it's an Andrew uh, Sir Webber's uh, one of his pieces. I could not help but like compare it to that 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 uh, that play or that theater state piece. Oh, interesting. Would you like to to spoil at least the title? Or uh, would you like to just hold off? Yes. Uh, title, of course, kind of obvious. If he, if everybody knows me this this far into uh, obviously this, uh, my pick is going to be Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And mm. you're like, what kind of was there? A, was there a theatrical? No, there wasn't. It's just like it's, I don't know. There's there's a like 
there's a video production of it out there, but it's I think a stage production rather than like what this is or similar to like what Rent is. Not that Rent movie. Who hopefully that one doesn't come up for us. That's not, not yeah, not not like not like the Rent movie. Um, listen, I I would have I would have picked Wicked, but uh, the movie's not out yet. We could we if we keep going with this series, we could do it definitely. Um, but I I'm, I'm saying that there were some similar. I found that this movie. Uh, and I guess I, I suppose like the stage or the the music itself, maybe maybe the music itself was kind of structured similar similarly to me to what uh, Sir Weber does in uh, te- Technical or Dreamcoat. Hmm. Oh, I'm excited to find out. I've never uh, never seen that one. I know it, but I can't. I don't see that, but I might when we actually watch it. Yeah, but for this movie itself, uh, where, where should we start here? Where, besides Antonio Banderas, who again I want to highlight. I think he's just so fun throughout this. I know. I thought it was a great role for him. I just love him. And I'm not even that big of a fan of him normally, but I just love him for this movie. Yeah, he, he takes it so... He's so intense in some scenes and super funny in others. I think he just... Yeah, he's he's a great host. I want him to host uh, some other things for me. And I've, I've, said, I've said to you before, Caleb, that, you know, I listened to the original concept album um, of this musical, whatever it wasn't a musical, when the concept album was made (laughs) and the character of Che was always like there was a lot more comedy in the concept album and I always felt like a little disappointed that that never came through even into the stage musical when they adapted it but watching it today with that in mind like I did there was more comedy than I thought and most of that came from him yeah there were a number of good laughs throughout that we both had Um, I'm just curious do they ever because now that I think about it I don't think they ever say that it's supposed to be Che Guevara in there Maybe in the credits. They don't... I don't know if they make it clear in the stage musical. Um, I, it's it's made clear in the concept album for sure. But uh, it, by the time it got to the musical, from my understanding, it's more like inspired by, but not literally meant to be him. Although, you know, he was Argentine. Mm. Obviously. Isaac, I feel like you're about to, to say something there. I was about to jump in, but that's holding up for you. Yeah, that's okay. So I got to be careful while I say this. Obviously, <laughs> so am I, you know, looking up all this stuff on TV tropes? Uh, yeah, I found out it was supposed to be Che Guevara. And I'm like, really? The revolutionary leader of Argentina? Um, you know, who has all those those posters of like Revolution and mm-hmm. all that stuff? And. I was like, and they, they of course, uh, the credit Banderas as Che, uh, just in the in the credits. So it could just be anybody, like it's, it could be yeah. like any anybody's name. I just prefer him as an everyman rather than like Guevara himself. I agree, and I think like even in like the original concept, like they made him Che Guevara, but I feel like it was almost like a joke. I, I unfortunately didn't listen to the album recently. I was hoping to before we did this, but. From from what I remember, and I don't know that much about him, but I feel like there was a little bit of, of like poking fun at him uh, in there, <laughs> which was why he was Che Guevara originally, because they were kind of poking fun at the fact that he had um, a pretty strong um, capitalist background before he became a revolutionary. It was that was that because I, I do remember some of the bits from that that concept album. Is that where that insecticide thing came from? Was that involving him? Yeah, I guess, like, because I looked it up when I heard it in the original version of the song. I was like, what's with this insecticide thing? But I guess he had, like, a bunch of failed capitalist ventures before 
he became a revolutionary. That was one of them. Yeah, that line always stands out anytime the concept album version of that song plays. What's that song again? The Kapow Die one. Yeah. I don't know if that's what it's called, but... Yeah, I, I can remember the name of it, but yeah, I always really like that song in general. Because in in the original song, when they're saying, like, Kapow Die, they're talking about it killing the bugs with insecticide, too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very different context, and I, I like both versions a lot. I think it works really well in this movie. Yeah. But the more funny one also works. Mm-hmm. And again, Antonio Banderas doing that song, he's really getting into it. Yeah, he's tearing up the screen <laughs> during that bit. Yeah. Yeah, and for the, the early part of the movie, well, I guess the whole movie in general, it's got such a, like, it's almost a, a, more of a montage than a regular progressing movie mm-hmm. with all this music kind of pushing you forward. I love the way they, during that uh, that Kapow Die song, I guess it's the, the first revolution that takes place in the movie. And then in the middle of it, we get this random earthquake that strikes. I always find that so funny how they're like, suddenly an earthquake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the camera's shaking. Yeah, that just, that was super funny every time I watch it. I, I almost feel like it shouldn't be funny though, because it's like a serious thing, but it's like so out of left field. Like. Yeah. <laughs> well, what would you think of some of these early songs there, Isaac? Not really knowing what the style this was going to be coming in. Well, they, they set up uh, Avita's like rise to fame. I gotta be careful with how I say that, of course, because I know the political implications of this play. Okay, not like <laughs> deeply or anything like that. Just obviously brief history, uh, b- brief research. Like I don't know, like twenty minutes of research, but just enough to know that I'll just say it. A lot of people in Argentina don't like this uh, this play or this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean that is what it is. I don't know too much about the historical figure. All I know is I really enjoy this movie. And it's, it's a musical version of a historical person, so it's never going to be the straight facts. you got to kind of take... Oh, of course. Yeah. No, it's from this perspective. Even having the kind of narrator yeah. pr- pulling us through, mm-hmm. it's showing that it's from a certain point of view. And of, cor- of course it's understandable why. I mean, she's such a controversial figure. Of course, you know, fictional version of her life set to music is also going to be very <laughs> controversial. Yeah, one playing with a lot with kind of gender politics and... Probably just regular politics at the time in Argentina, mm-hmm. making fun of a lot of different types of folks. So, except for the working class, they don't really like to. They definitely keep the positive eye towards them, but mocking the upper class, the military class. Mm-hmm. Which some of that stuff is really fun too. In in some of their songs, I like that the the rich elite always have such a. How do you describe their way of singing? I don't know how to put it, but but just that very snooty vibe, pompous. Uh, yeah. stick up their butts we're like holier <laughs> than thou yeah it's super fun I always enjoy the, those parts too mm-hmm. or when they're calling her a bitch the, the military guys <laughs> I think that's yeah. pretty funny in that song yeah and it comes across very harsh but in like a fun way yeah and you can see why that why they dislike her I mean it seems like Peron's definitely you know dating lower than maybe his uh, what the standard would be for those folks considering her reputation but I guess there was that other general, or maybe not general, but other military guy that was that brought her there to the event when they meet. That's true. But, yeah, yeah, that's a good point, actually. But maybe they look down on that guy. We don't know. <laughs> it's not his story. I mean, he's also, you know, lower down on the on the totem pole there, so maybe it's not as serious of a, you know. Yeah. And that was more like a, um, it was like a fundraising event, you know? It wouldn't be like a strictly upper class event. Yeah. That's fair. 
one thing I had to remind myself uh, when watching the film itself. Again, I didn't. I didn't listen to the concept album, the rock uh, opera album, nothing like that. Um, mm. Is I had to. You have to actually pay attention to the dialogue and or the lyrics. Excuse me. Yeah. Because uh, there is no dialogue. It's all in the <laughs> lyrics. So you have to really pay attention and listen to what they're saying, and you know, think uh, think a little broadly with what with what they're saying. And it's nothing too complex and. I I will not say that Tim Rice's lyrics are uh, simple or anything like that, but they're they're definitely like I think, I think a general audience member could probably understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that's something I I didn't think about because when I listen to music, I always concentrate on the on the lyrics. But yeah, I didn't think about the fact that a lot of people kind of zone out when songs are on rather than listening intently. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people who go to musicals and just kind of wait, like, okay, here's a song, when's the, when are we going to get back to the dialogue? Yeah. Get back to the story moving. But yeah, it, almost everything about this is unconventional storytelling-wise. Everything moving in montage, having this narrator, mm-hmm. and nonstop music. Even when it, like, I'd feel like it'd be weird to, like, look up individual songs in this, because sometimes I feel like it's just people doing their usual dialogue scene with just a little bit of music in the background. Yeah. It's not even really part of a regular song. Yeah. Which again, I appreciate. I wish they would do that kind of thing more. Yeah, I like it. I think it's fun. And I was going to say, the the beginning of the movie, I think, um, also is um, people are really, like, thrown into it. I feel like yeah. like it's it's jumping back and forth in time quite a bit there. And, like, the juxt- juxtaposition of her dad's funeral versus her own. But if you're just coming into the movie for the very first time, you're like, what is even going on right <laughs> now? Yeah, I was, cu- I was curious if Isaac, if you had any confusion during the first couple, couple minutes there. I, I definitely had confusion. I was like, okay, what the <laughs> hey is going on? Because they didn't have any, because uh, first we saw off in a theater. And I wonder if that was just the intention of getting us ready, like like setting the scene and setting the mood, uh, the mm. atmosphere for like what we're about to get into. Mm, like time period. Thank you very much. Uh, it's her death. And they say, they, they do at least mention, they do give a um, a date on her actual death. Uh, and then we quickly flash to like somewhere in like a small town or someplace like that uh, that has like a carriage moving about, which I guess the hearse and it's somebody else. And then it says 1926. I'm like, what the hell? Why are we jumping back? And then I quickly realize, OK, I guess this is her as a as a uh, young girl. And we're going to then like, I guess, fast forward from here. And that's exactly what happened. So while it was kind of like whiplash, it's like, what the hell happened there? I quickly um I quickly regained my balance and was like, okay, I think I know what's happening without having to look anything up. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, they guide you along well enough that even if you're lost a little bit, once they kind of pull back and we move into a more regular progression of events with Evita, uh, yeah, her, her rise to power and her ways of, of getting there. Yeah. I feel like it's easy to jump onto it. Yeah. And I mean, as long as you're listening to the, to the lyrics, I mean, like Antonio Banderas is literally telling you what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and again, there is a lot of clever lines in there, even though I feel like the lyrics are quite straightforward. I'm, I'm always surprised how they managed to pack them in there in time with the music. And occasionally, only a couple times did it feel like they're struggling to fit the word in in time. Most of it is just so tightly uh, tightly put together. It's great. How did you guys feel about Madonna playing a 15-year-old? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I, I, heard, I read it. I read about that. I was like, or I, I realized that of like, okay, so uh, when she goes to her father's funeral, and according to the internet, 
hope this is true. Her date of birth is unknown. Not that okay, she she obviously like died at some point, but like Yeah, I think and, there's like I think I remember reading that like she um like changed her <laughs> changed her birthday on her birth certificate to be younger, there we so go. no one really knows for sure. So it's not just me saying it, so it sounds like, you yeah. know, I'm a crazy person. It's just like okay, somebody else <laughs> is saying it, so it's like there has to be some truth to that, just because, you know, we we can't trust anything on the internet nowadays, including ourselves. Um so but with yeah like she she's like i don't know like maybe five or six or seven when her father dies and then it says Mm. 10 years later yeah the beginning of the movie she's supposed to be 15 it's like mm, like i get why they had madonna do it well first of all because she probably wanted all the songs but (laughs) it would have been nice if they'd had a teenage actress for that part yeah yeah it definitely does not look like she's 15 it looks like okay she's yeah she's like 22 now she's ready to go maybe 22 at the the youngest and i will say as much as i do think uh i enjoy madonna's performance in this and i feel like for the most part i think this movie does a good job of setting itself in the period but i can't stop staring at those eyebrows i'm like oh that's the only clue besides the the cast in general that really signals that oh yeah we're in the the late 90s here Really? Have you ever seen a picture of Ava Perron? Because she has the same eyebrows. Really? That that thin and oof. I always find those kind of eyebrows off-putting. I think I think they had Madonna looking like just like her. I mean, it depends. Like, I'm sure her eyebrows changed <laughs> throughout time, but I think Madonna looked a lot like her. Well, I find those I find those eyebrows so pointy. I'd be afraid to yeah I'd poke my eye out. No, that's just. Me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I I generally like her in this and. I think uh, sh- she does surprisingly well as an actress in it, compared to the only other example that I have, which is uh, the James Bond movie that she cameoed in, Die Another Day, which she's terrible in. She did the mu- she did the the opening song for that, and I like that song, but her little cameo, so badly acted. Well, she sings the whole time in Evita, and like, yeah, a- acting and singing are like similar but not the same. But because it's singing the whole time, like. There's a kind of acting that you do while you're singing, which is not the same as, like, acting. That's fair. That's fair. And, yeah, it was mainly the line reading in Diner of the Day that was just terrible and awkward. So, yeah, maybe having that ability to sing kind of couches her uh, performance a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because you you, com- you convey emotions through song and, like, facial expressions, but it's not the same as, like, you know, dialogue. Yeah. Well, what do you think of Madonna in this one, Isaac? I'm not sure if you've seen her acting much or even i don't know if you're a fan of her music in general i don't really know what your thoughts are on her uh i i i could say i wasn't a fan of her making that comment about uh was it uh prince harry and megan living in on in victoria uh instead of living in la so i kind of just like boycotted her music for a while after that (laughs) (laughs) even then i like I listen. I listened to like one of her songs on the radio the other day. It's like, ah, it sounds vapid, and I don't really, I don't really care. Uh, so I'm like, I'm good. I, like, I don't deny that she is the the queen of pop, but like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm I'm good. Um, and I surprisingly, I did look up at least you know a picture of uh, Evita herself. There's a there's a similarity. Uh, it's one of those yeah. things where I'm like, okay, I do have that thing where. I see a lot of like, even in different ethnicities, I see that people, some people have a similar facial structure. So it's like if they cast her because she actually does bear resemblance to Evita, it works. But obviously if, you know, millennials and Gen Z want to like slam this movie as being racist for casting a white woman as an Argentinian, uh, 
go ahead go ahead like whatever well i mean this is probably not politically correct to say but i mean everyone in argentina is white argentina is like the whitest country in latin america interesting it's like basically all europeans yeah like there's hard they like decimated their indigenous population yeah and madonna is italian uh from by you know so that's some connection there a vague connection but <laughs> vague <laughs> sure um I I will say like I definitely you know she sang like wonderfully. Um, I I read somewhere that one of the actors who portrayed Evita didn't like her performance because she's like she had to go a few bars lower or a few sorry a few octaves lower than what the actual songs uh, demand. I don't, Brianna, you could probably mm. shed some light on that. Well, I I've heard so many different versions of the song, but because i grew up with this movie like i feel like more than anything i'm usually comparing the other versions to this even though obviously (laughs) that's not really correct (laughs) um so i i would never think that i would just see each song as like a different version but not like better or worse Hmm. they are like all done in very different styles i would say yeah and i'll say as someone who doesn't have that much experience with madonna's music i never you know downloaded any onto my my iPod back in the day or so it was just kind of whatever was on the radio I never really got the sense that she had a great voice as a singer and maybe that's just because I was hearing her later stuff from the early 2000s which maybe not some of her best um but yeah coming into this I was surprised how much I appreciate her voice and how much she could carry some of the songs uh, really emotionally so I was like oh maybe I should give her a second look mm-hmm. I still haven't but maybe one day I would recommend her stuff from the 80s when she was, you know, when it, when it was her time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to be fair, I guess we missed our chance this year. Me and Brianna are actually supposed to go to... Uh... We had concert tickets to see her. Yeah, we were going to go see her, but yeah, it got canceled. I think that was during the summer, I think. Yeah, and then it got rescheduled, but to when we're going to be in Mexico. Yeah, damn. Yeah, that's right. She, yeah, she had to go in for, like, I don't know if it was, like, medical purposes, but yeah, she, like had something happen with her so it's like hopefully she's all right yeah i think she's on tour now so i would assume she's okay (laughs) and i was trying to think of some some highlights for songs for her but there's so many good ones i don't know Mm -hmm. i mean i always feel like just the song that we're like really can showcase female talent in that musical is always the um another suitcase another hall yeah that's one of my favorites for this both versions i like them a lot it's just such a pretty song yeah. And, you know, um, normally in the stage musical and probably the concept album, but I don't know for sure, um, it's not Evita singing that song. It's um, Peron's mistress that she kicks out is the one that's supposed to sing that whole song. But honestly, I think it's like just such a nice song. They just wanted to give <laughs> it to Madonna. <laughs> and it's nice. I always like in musicals when you get a little reprieve from a different character saying the same, mm-hmm. you know, feeling the same emotion. I, I always think that's a nice thing to carry over. So I like that. But damn, that was the first scene where it's like, yeah, we've seen that she's been kind of, uh, we've seen in a montage that she can be, you know, kind of cold with all these men that she's using to propel herself up. But that scene was the first one where it's like, damn, she's cruel to this poor, uh, this poor girl here. I know, she is. <laughs> she's really a bully there. <laughs> and like, because like the last line in the song, don't ask anymore, like when um, Evita is singing it, you know, it's somebody says don't ask anymore because he's going to help her. <laughs> Whereas it feels like when the other girl says it, she's just like, don't ask anymore. Just leave. I'm tired of listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> they, they do that song again right when she's 
like on her deathbed too. Yeah, and that was a really pretty use of it. I like that a lot. I think that was the first mm -hmm. time I, or at least I didn't remember them doing it like that before. So I was surprised hearing on this viewing. Um, and another song that I really like from from early on, it, it and I think Brandy, you said that you don't really care for this song or you think it's uh, silly, but I always love the "On the Night of a Thousand Stars" song. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I, especially the first version. It's so overwrought, and the guy is just so s smug. <laughs> it is silly, but it gets stuck <laughs> in my head, and I, I just like it genuinely as a song. But his his performance is a lot of fun too, as a silly old, almost washed up singer. Right before his one, one hit wonder routine. Mm-hmm. Oh, any standout songs for you, Isaac? You know, I don't know if I I had any standout songs because I I understood like most of like you know, what the songs were saying, but for me, I I think more what I was kind of wanting was even though you know this movie is well made and whatnot. Don't worry, I think I'm I'm done with the whole acting like the political common sense person or, or whatever like hey wait a minute or the stereotypical millennial or, or gen Z person it's like yeah, i sound like the boy who cried wolf is like i think it's pretty <laughs> obvious that this move, movie is here because i'm just it's full of nonsense um I, I i feel like when i was watching this i was like you know this movie is really well made i'll say that like all the all the stuff all the extras and like all the stuff in the background with like during the revolutions mm -hmm. and are like you know military coups and all that stuff i was like mm -hmm. man this is some like this is really good like very good direction and like good good choreography and all that stuff and definitely mm -hmm. feels believable i don't know if we, we find this sort of like believability anymore nowadays in, in film i don't know if you could do that anymore it's just a different time uh even sometimes when like the police yeah came in and started beating like the riders <laughs> up with those batons i'm like geez mm. that looks realistic uh i was hoping that wasn't the case of course but like <laughs> yeah they're beating the extras <laughs> but, <laughs> it's like that scene in in titanic but um for for me whenever the music was was going on i was like you know i i kind of want to i didn't almost maybe okay maybe, and this isn't fair maybe i personally should have like uh, I, I need to watch this like again and again. I need to do multiple viewings of this before I probably was like, okay, I can, I can accept this. But as of now, I kind of just want to like see a, a production of this because things go by so quickly, like, especially since mm -hmm. it's in, re in real time. Uh, whereas on, in a, in a play on end stage, they have to like, they have one stage, they obviously have sets, but then you, they quickly have to change sets and whatnot. And I, I can buy that and then let my imagination do the rest. This is like, Oh, now my imagination doesn't have to do this. Now I just have to see what's going on. It kind of feels a little jarring. So it's like, uh, but that's why I like that's why I like theater because you can, you know, you have to imagine uh, the stage uh, as mm -hmm. like a real place or whatnot, and let your imagination go from there uh, with the limitations that they have set. Whereas this, uh, they're in a real well, even though it was from Hungary, it's like they're they're in a like you know real looking place and whatnot. And so even when they're singing uh, to everybody. It, does feel a little jarring for me i'll, I'll say that I, I couldn't really get into some of the diegetic stuff but eventually I, I i guess accepted it um but yeah it was for like uh again this is like my first time watching it through so i apologize i don't really like know any of the songs and and didn't have the yeah and uh nothing really stuck out i wish any ones that's this may be, this, this may sound a little bit like insensitive, but anything that sounded Latin, I was I was a little more into, because the more Latin stuff, I was like, okay, let's maybe hear what you know. Hopefully, that's you know what the Argentinian sound is is, 
probably isn't. Apologies in that. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> um, but I would like to have that more. In fact, I almost had it where I was like, I kind of want to like hear this in Spanish. Uh, I'd, I'd really want to hear this whole thing uh, or in Argentinian Spanish. Excuse me. I know there is there is a Spanish version. I think there's a like a Spanish, Spain Spanish version and a Mexican version. I doubt there's. Well, I'm sure there is an Argentine version, but probably not like a a big one. But I know there are some versions in Spanish. Yeah, I was curious how Isaac was going to react because. Yeah, I didn't warn you that it's it's more operatic than a regular musical in that that style. And I remember the first time I watched it, it did jar me for a little bit. I was kept like, okay, is this like, are they just going to do like a 20 minute long, mostly music and then kind of slow down to a regular style musical? And I, I kept kind of waiting. And it took me a while to get into the style that it was going for and to be able to pick out individual songs because they all kind of just bleed into each other. You know, so it's tough to, okay, like, when did this song end? When did this one start? And we get tons and tons of little reprieves in just for dialogue and stuff. So it it's more on repeat viewings that I can pick out the ones that really stand out. And knowing what I'm getting into helps me immediately kind of ease into the style that they're going for. And you mentioned the look of the, the film, too. I feel like that's, yeah, one of the things that I really enjoy each, each time I go back to it is mm-hmm. great period costumes. The cinematography by one of my favorite uh, cinematographers from this period, Darius Kandij. Uh, I think he, I think he just does such a great job with the uh, kind of warm palette to it. And Isaac, you may know him from uh, Alien Resurrection. That's where I first saw his work. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, not a favorite movie of mine, but I think it looks incredible. I guess I will to add to myself as well, to add to my comment. Uh, at the same time. I was also a bit kind of disappointed with the color palette of the film because I was like, oh, I, I, I like how it's, you know, it's treated as like, uh, you know, it's it's grounded. The the color palette seems, you know, not, not flamboyant or over the top. And I don't know. I never saw what I never watched Newsies. I've seen the yeah. like uh, the, the musical uh, on stage, but uh, for this, I, I kind of wanted again to, to see this in, uh, in on theater instead or in the theater excuse me because or sorry on stage um because i feel like the sets would be a lot more colorful and, and bombastic maybe not like too bombastic of course but the color powder here like in comparison to what it would be on stage feels muted and so i was like oh, i kind of like especially with uh with knowing uh sir weber he he loves his own, like he loves to go over the top sometimes or he likes to make things larger than life and so the songs didn't feel for me like they uh, felt a part of uh, the environment where the environment felt very bleak and muted. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm incorrect in that, but just like, I, I kind of wanted to see a lot more color to this film. Oh, that's, that's interesting perspective. Hmm. Or have the colors stand out and pop more. Excuse me. How about, how about that? Uh, not that it's, you know, downright, you know, gray and ugly or anything like that. Just, I, I wanted it to like, burst out and like you can you can see all the color there like it was a joe schumacher movie oh no i definitely wouldn't want that <laughs> that sounds like uh well maybe i won't say that but recipe in the making for disaster yeah i didn't want to pick on the poor guy schumacher and hey we might pull out one of his movies one day i think he did the uh phantom of the opera yes he did from the 2000s so we might we might revisit that uh, but no I, I i quite like the color palette of the movie i think it i don't know i was gonna say i feel like it has kind of a latin america feel because I, I feel like a lot of their movies that i see are filled with tons of browns everywhere a lot of that clothing yeah 
more uh, muted colors is just what I think of. When I think of a lot of those of their cinema, but but to be fair, I feel like most of the cinema that I've seen from that part of the world is in black and white. So maybe maybe that's why it's in my head in that way. When I think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Brianna, my question is how many uh, how many tracks are there in this in this album and or this musical? <laughs> that's a great question. I have no idea offhand, but I can look it up. Because like there was track after track after track. I mm-hmm. mean, they were pumping this stuff out. I'm like, holy smokes! I've heard like this. This like definitely trumps uh, Joseph when it comes to musical numbers. Like I think this has like twice as many. Okay, so the the uh, movie soundtrack has 31 tracks. Yikes. Um, whereas the concept album only has 23 tracks. Okay, interesting. And it's probably um, probably the same songs. That's true. More or less, probably just they they split them differently. I didn't think of that. Uh, yeah, no, that, meant, that makes sense. Um, and you know the other thing is? Is that I don't know if the uh, rock opera or just concept album has this, but mm-hmm. I was – and I, I didn't – realize this when i was oh i realized this first but i forgot about it i was wondering when when where like the act would split like where the end of act one would be and where the beginning of act two would be that's a good question i would i've like i said i haven't seen it on stage i'd like to but i always miss it um i but i feel like it would maybe be like um right after he becomes president yeah no i could see that yeah you know what i think it would be after don't cry for me argentina that seems like an intermission moment yeah, that that song from my first viewing stood out immediately. I could see why that was maybe the. Uh, I'm not sure if, it, if if they had a single for this movie. I could see that being the one that they would put out because it has a lot of a lot of power. It, it feels more distinct on its own. That's the one that I sang in the talent show when I was a kid. Nice. <laughs> I I just the idea of it now, like looking back, just like this nine year old singing "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina." Just it, it was probably so funny to the people. There. I mean, yeah, I'd just be like, "Where is this from?" Like, I remember yeah. uh, <laughs> one of my siblings' classmates singing uh, "Ring of Fire," but like, and he had the whole like get up as well. He didn't have a guitar or anything like that, but he still he had the he was singing that. So it's like, yeah, but I wouldn't have known clue if I was in your in your class or in your school of what you were like singing. Yeah. I'm like, what the hey is she singing? <laughs> It's a long song, too. <laughs> and I sang the whole thing. <laughs> oh, there you go. It's probably like, I don't know. Let me see how long the track is. I'm curious. Five minutes. Yeah, that's pretty long for a talent show. That is long. Definitely. Yeah. That's, yeah, you you have you have commitment right there. I tell you what. <laughs> of course, I probably skipped any, like, instrumental gaps. Now, was it was it this version or was it from the concept album? No, I, I actually didn't listen to the concept album until I was an adult. So it was either this version or possibly the Broadway version, because that's the CD my mom listened to the most, I think. But I think they're pretty much the same. Like, the musical backing would be different, but I was singing a cappella, so that wouldn't be relevant. Yeah, I definitely think that's a strong song. And that, that's one of the few moments where we get some more extended dialogue with, uh, was it Perron's presidential speech? Yeah, uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting that that was pretty much the only like spoken dialogue in the whole movie. Yeah, that was more than like two words. Because every now and again we would just like punctuate. Yeah, they they really mm. slowed things down for that. And I like that her speech was longer than his. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I always point out anytime I watch it that I I hate that the chanting that they do when they do the the pair on chanting, but then once they start bleeding in the Avita with it too, and the two of them are going, ooh, it makes my skin crawl. <laughs> 
that, that chanting. I like it. I wish people chanted like that in real life. I just sing chanting. Brianna! <laughs> oh, golly, I'd die of embarrassment. Uh, it actually, when I, when I heard that, uh, distinctly, I almost heard it almost in like a haunting sense. Mm-hmm. At least, Definitely. The, the way, I, th- I think that was intentional, of course. Uh, sorry if that's, you know, I'm Captain Obvious here. But I was like, I wonder if that's supposed to be like, you know, haunting or something like that. Like there's a very like sinister undertone with like, the way the music was and how their uh, voices were. It just sounded like, not I'm not calling it a cult or anything like that, but it definitely sounded like it was foreshadowing for their downfall. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And like not... But what you said about cult, like, it kind of makes sense because, like, she had a slightly cultish following, right? Like, people, like, revered her as a saint almost. Well, not not even almost. Yeah. I, I don't mean that to the actual, you know, I gotta make that clear. I'm just talking about in, in this film. Of course. You know, is an adaptation of the actual person herself. And I, I also say the downfall because, I mean, we have evidence of that in the play itself because, or the opera itself because there's that song beforehand where you just see there's there's coups and there's usurps and like yeah. you know somebody just replacing each other so it's like well it's bound to happen that that's actually what i mm. thought was gonna like go with because i didn't look up you know the actual real life story um until like i think towards the end i was like all right i gotta i gotta just check I, i'm kind of interested this movie's piqued my interest in it um so i was wondering if they ever got usurped and similar to like you know what happened with anastasia and her family uh, if they mm. got, you know, there was a coup d'etat um, at, uh, in Argentina, or at least during their reign, or during their presidency, excuse me. Yeah, and, and I feel like they set up right from that Kapow Die song. That, yeah, maybe Perron's not the best dude, because they say, like, oh, yeah, he came up under the, like, the front row of watching Mussolini rise to power and was a wannabe dictator. <laughs> and in the concept album, they said something about Hitler, too, but they didn't put that in. I wish I could remember the exact line. There was no way they were going to put that in there. Yeah. I do love in that Kapow Dai song when they're talking about the military coup and they're like, they just, they didn't feel they need to be elected. I think that's a funny way to put uh, a coup. <laughs> but yeah, no, it sounds like yeah, poor Argentina. They had some rough times with the. Uh... Oh yeah. There was a, there's a line in the, in the original of that song. I, I, I just find it so random where they say dictators don't grow on skis. <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad. That's not Dang. bad. Because there was, there was some part about Peron, like, skiing with like hitler and mussolini or something <laughs> oh dang wow they did their research <laughs> that's why i'm like i kind of wish that like more of that came into the thing to the movie or the stage musical because it's just so there was some almost like absurd line definitely yeah see and I, I i agree actually what what i wanted to point out when you guys said like this is you know who uh, senior banderas is supposed to be i was like Okay, if, if it is supposed to be Che Guevara, it's like it actually, I could see it from a humorous standpoint. If they were going in that humorous standpoint, exactly. I could sort of see like, and the narrator is Che Guevara. And it's like, okay, that is kind of funny. Like that, that mm-hmm. like if you treat it in like almost like a farce or parody sort of way, it makes sense. But mm-hmm. that's the thing where it, I'm not saying this is an identity crisis, but it's like what's parody and or like what's making fun of something and then what's trying to be serious because... For most part, a lot of the stuff, like, I mean, I don't know if this is, like, full-on satire, but it does feel like, you know, it's it's playing the whole thing straight. Mm. I think there's a lot more satire to the original, but from what I understand, even when they translated it from album to stage musical, they took a lot of that out and definitely played it a lot more serious. I see. Which is, I mean, I it's, 
it's a really great story as is, but the, the satirical elements are fun too. And I, I would have liked to see that play out. Yeah, you can definitely feel the sprinkles of it here or there, especially, you know, on repeated viewings, super paying attention to the, mm-hmm. the dialogue and the songs. You can feel the, the crafty kind of clever jokes hidden in there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, if, if I, I take the, yeah, the Antonio Banderas character here is just kind of the face of Argentina. Whatever emotions. The everyman. Yeah, the everyman. Yeah, and I think there's some comedy there, but it's definitely like, um, he's supposed to be, you know, a fairly serious character in the movie, I think. And I like, um, you know, the more times I watch it, I feel like the more I just see, like, it, it's interesting how they were able to take one character and be able to represent, like, how much people loved her and hated her in one person. Yeah. Yeah, and there's that one moment when, uh, Oh, I wish I could remember when, when he's like, he's outside of their place. He's holding onto the bars, holding on really tight. Like he wants to like wring her neck and he's like, oh, you know, when you're in there and he seems so angry, you know? Oh, it's right after she kicks out the British people. Yeah. And it's, yeah, there's just, just the seething. Oh, right. Yeah. Seething kind of hate to him. I was like, damn, that's, that's some intense performance there from. Yeah. And then like, you know, a couple scenes later, he's like dancing in the fountain <laughs> all happy. Yeah. I noticed that too. Being like, Ava! <laughs> if, if somebody didn't know that he's supposed to be like the narrator and the everyman, they're like, yeah. what? Wow. What? This guy's really going back and forth. What is, what, who is this guy supposed to? And you're like, you're supposed to take this, you know, as, as, as an opera and in a different yeah. sort of like story structure. And, and also like, it's a different type of, of storytelling than than what people are normally uh familiar with so just understand like he's the narrator and he's you know a face in the crowd as as we said in every every person yeah if she if she's she's the face of argentina he's kind of the heart and they're always kind of pushing against each other that's what i really like yeah i really oh go ahead i was just gonna say yeah i really i really love their waltz and how they like have them kind of like confront each other at the end there yeah that's right where i was going yeah exactly because (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he he gets beaten down by the cops and kind of passes out, and then she passes out from her own undisclosed illness for this movie. And yeah, they kind of meet in that space. Cancer, I think. But... Yeah, I like that that waltz a lot too. I think that was a really pretty little moment. It actually reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. I think it was. I can't remember what kind of dance it was. And singing in the rain, if you remember that, when the two characters go into this space and the woman is wearing this super duper long flowing dress. It reminded me of that little moment. Maybe it's a waltz. <laughs> But I like both in both movies. I think it's it's nice having that very different kind of aesthetic mm-hmm. and much more slowed down style. Because, yeah, this thing does move super duper fast throughout. It's constantly moving, it feels like. Yeah, and I feel like, I don't know, obviously every time you watch a movie, like you focus on different things. But I feel like I've never noticed before in their waltz how like the setting changes in, in different lines of the song. I literally never noticed that until today. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I quite like that too. Oh, no, I noticed. Yeah, I remember that. I noticed how, like, because they, they revisit sets, if I recall. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, I'm sure I have noticed it before, but never thought about it. But yeah, it was definitely, like, something new to think about with this watching. Yeah, and I just realized, I don't think we've mentioned it all. Uh, we, we've mentioned Perron kind of kind of off to the side, but not really talked about Jonathan Price playing this, this role. Uh, I do have to play my, my meme for the podcast as it always comes up. Uh, Jonathan Price does have a Doctor Who connection. Uh, before the show came back in 2005, he showed up in this little uh, famous comedy sketch written by a, a later uh, Doctor Who showrunner called Curse the Fatal Death. And he plays uh, a main villain in that. And he's super duper funny. 
People have always wanted him to return to Doctor Proper ever since being in that, but he's never done it. Could he be a doctor? Uh, he's maybe a bit too old now. He's, he's probably quite slowed down for the production of Doctor Who, but... No, that's fair. But yeah, he was a Bond villain. He was in uh, famous parts of the Caribbean, too, this guy. He, he, he's had quite the career. Brazil. Brazil, of course, yeah. So, uh, up front, uh, the, the first person that... The first fellow that Evita is with, I actually thought was Jonathan Price. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Just like... <laughs> Just with like a either makeup on or something like that, then like that guy has such a funny look to him too. <laughs> and I was like, is that supposed to be Jonathan Price? And then later, like when he comes out as Perona, I'm like, oh, that's that. Okay, never mind. Whoops. But they do look similar. I was like, oh, they kind of they really? kind of look. I I think they do. <laughs> oh, I, I think the other guy. Well, I guess she has a pipe. <laughs> and this is mean to the actor. I think the other guy has kind of a bit of like a rodent kind of shape to him. Yeah. No. Totally. And he's got such a Weasley performance too. <laughs> Well, and I mean, I'm sure they casted him that way on purpose because that's kind of the sense you were supposed to get from him. Yeah, but I quite like him. And speaking of him, I I, I loved uh, <laughs> I loved when they met at that fundraiser and he was like, your act hasn't changed much either. Yeah, you yes. Know? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> that, that was, I like that. Yeah, and th- this viewing today was the first time I realized uh, how much her family kind of sticks with her throughout it and how much her brother is like her, her manager and her her friend in arms to yeah i'm not sure i haven't noticed that before either because there was parts where he's like literally delivering men yeah. to her, like oh here's your next one <laughs> i just found out this guy's single and he's got some power see what you can wring out of him <laughs> which i kind of appreciate that he's just yeah he's always there in the background if you notice him always at her side i did yeah fun little detail and and her other sis- sisters yeah and her sisters yeah. too yeah yeah and it's nice because they don't comment on it but they're just always there yeah and there you go. She's always holding on to her roots, not just her love of the, the working class, but her own family and her hate of the middle class. There you go. <laughs> One of the things that I was really trying hard to, and again, this is, this is probably something that I'd have to do on like, you know, second watch or later watches, uh, was, was trying to figure out what was uh, actually like, you know, sung and what was 80 yard. Hmm, that's interesting. Because I. I think there may have been like one song or two where it was, you know, sung live, which was, I think, uh, towards, how was it like towards the end? I think, I think when they're talking about Avita becoming vice president Mm. and then Jonathan Price is in that like chamber or in that room with like the boardroom or whatever, with all those, uh, other members of parliament or whomever council. Mm. And I think he starts singing, I think, think that's like him doing it live whereas a lot i was like okay because especially in the first uh or when i first heard banderas uh sing i was like okay is this this isn't live right this is all just like pre-recorded correct where he's you know singing after the fact like in a booth yeah i would think so yeah there's a couple little brief like interstitial moments between scenes when che will be talking to the camera or singing to the camera where it doesn't sound like it has this because a lot of the songs have this almost kind of, I don't know how to put it, almost like an echoed quality to them, or just you can hear the space that they're in when they're singing it. Mm. And every now and again, you can hear that there's none of that on his voice as he's delivering those little little bits to connect to the next scene. And I'm pretty sure that uh, that moment when he's kind of seething and rage at her holding on to the, the gate there, that, if my memory is correct, sounded like it was just him singing it on set. Well, it would make sense for the little bits where it's like not a full-on song. Yeah. It's a lot easier to thing there yeah and I, I i i prefer that i i understand why they don't do that in a lot of movies but i like the kind of more raw 
feel that you get with that. Mm-hmm. But it's easy to get why they don't why they don't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's understandable, <laughs> especially for this movie because like the songs are so big. Yeah, and and so they take place over so many different locations since everything's like a montage. Yeah, so. yeah, that's a good point. Too. <laughs> I also. <laughs> This may sound cringy, but I also was thinking like, okay, how how they like direct this? Like, like how did this actually go about behind the scenes? Like, is it just with is it just like Madonna there singing to all the extras, or is she just like mouthing it and everybody's supposed to react? Yeah. Oh, I wondered that too. I, I mean, I would want to sing. I feel like it's way easier than mouthing it. But yeah, I would think so too. And I was even thinking just how much work it would be because everything is, is in such montages, so many sets, so many extras. I was like, wow. This, this feels super lavish. Like, I wonder how much they, they spent on this thing. Because it feels like a lot. Yeah, it does. Oh, well, I did start talking a little bit about Jonathan Price earlier. And I wanted to bring up, just because uh, I will say that I, I quite like him in this movie, I think. I, I enjoy his voice. I enjoy the, the chemistry and the fact that he kind of turns into <laughs> kind of like the whipping boy for Evita. Because at first he, he seems like an ambitious politician. But then once he meets her, it's like his ambition completely falls off. And he's just like like lost in the glow of her all he wants to do is just stare at her all day it's so interesting (laughs) when you know he he was literally like they told us straight up he was working with Mussolini (laughs) and wanted to do the same thing and then he's like you know what though like maybe we should just not Mm -hmm. maybe we should just quit yeah let's let's go to a different country and just stay on the beach together and just live out our lives and I like that when he's because I think he's in prison when she comes to visit him and she's saying that Mm. and his music's kind of like sad like a little bit of a somber tone and then it switches to her pov and like the hard rock kicks in and suddenly she's all harsh like <laughs> oh sometimes i feel that way too but i sometimes get those nightmares too <laughs> yeah well that's pretty fun so according to uh the numbers.com sorry for if this is a tangent sure. but according to the numbers.com direction budget uh 55 million. Oh wow that hmm. well they got a lot out of it that's for sure Definitely. I mean, I don't know how many people went underpaid or didn't get paid yeah. at all. So <laughs> yeah, who knows where they're shooting this? What country? Uh, Hungary and some of the what is it? So, some of the when they were at, when they were doing the um, El Presidente speeches or whatnot on the balcony. Apparently, they were in Argentina. Because yeah, I was going to say, I know Darius Kandij was just uh, he was mainly working in Europe at this time. That's why Alien Resurrection got him because they shot in in Europe, and I'm assuming this was the same. Oh, and uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, what is it like? What's that studio in in London? Shepperton? No, Sapperton? No, Sapperton sounds right. Yeah, at least for one of them. Uh, but I did want to one little knock for Jonathan Price, and I'm sure this is not his fault. Just knowing the man from his other work, knowing that he's bald. Every time I look at him with that the hair that they plastered on his head, I'm like, couldn't we have got a better wig on this guy? This this looks so. Every time I look at it, something about it just puts me off. Got a phony look to it. I don't know if you guys had that problem, but I, I fixate on it. It didn't really bother me. The real guy has a similar hairline, but not really the same hair. I'm just looking at him now. <laughs> yeah, maybe they tried their best. But he was a weird kind of guy in real life, because I remember reading... I didn't look this up recently, so I could have the details wrong, but I remember reading that like he kept her casket like in his house for a long time after she died. Uh, you mean you mean per- President uh, Peron, correct? 
Yeah. Not not Jonathan Price. Yeah, he kept the casket from this movie. No, not, not Jonathan. He he got he got Ava Peron's casket oh, and brought it to his house. He really wanted to be in character. <laughs> no, but actually, I remember. Um, I don't know what order this happened in, but I know that there was a point where he like kept her in his house and but there was also a point where her body went missing for a long time like decades yes i read that up too oh weird Weird. i don't know if like he had her body first and then it went missing or when they found it (laughs) he got it but like it went apparently on tour or something like that well like stolen i went all over argentina then it ended up in spain some at some point but then it was finally returned and rested in uh buenos aires Mm. yeah big apple uh yeah that's fucked up yeah Weird folks. But he was president for a long time after. And um, again, this is just going off memory. I didn't look it up recently. But I think his his wife, after Ava died, became vice president and eventually became president after he died. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Wow. Very mm-hmm. nice. And from what I remember, uh, family telling me, like, there's even like a party. I don't know if there still is that was like Peronism. Yes, that's uh, a parent thing that that's still yeah. like their their version of their political party. Yeah, still exists. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I do remember my uncle telling me that when he was a kid in, in school there, like they weren't allowed to say anything bad about her. This was when she was alive. They would like get in trouble if anybody said anything bad about her. Yeah, well, they should have. Uh... Maybe they should have brought that government over to uh, to Paris when they were calling her a whore. I love that line <laughs> when she's like, they called me a whore. They actually called me a whore. Then the weird guy with the eye patch next to her is like, oh, you know, ignore them. They still call me a general. I think it was Italy. Italy. <laughs> yeah. Italy first, then Paris. Because Paris yeah, is yeah, where she right. like is in the opera. Where she got sick. And then like fainted, which I guess is her first signs of cancer. Yeah, I love uh, Madonna's face during that scene when he's like, oh, yes, you know, they still... You know, they're just silly. They still call me an admiral, even though I left the sea long ago. You look at her face, she just looks like perplexed. Like, what? What, <laughs> like, what are you saying? So many fun little bits. And I love uh, one of my favorite roles for Antonio Banderas in the background is the projectionist during all that. Yeah, when he's just making his little commentaries. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting jokey there, too. And he's like, oh, they hate him in Italy because they, they say he's like Mussolini. Can't think why. His delivery that was <laughs> And I like that little, whole little Rainbow Tour song. I, I like that one yeah especially when those two officials are convinced that like it was successful yeah well i thought that was funny because it's like mm, i think i feel like it was successful overall i don't i don't see why there was any debate just because she got sick well and i mean yeah they didn't like her in italy but you know she went to france and they liked her there yeah and she went and was rude to the brits or the rude the brits were rude to her and then she kicked them out of the country was that the, the progression or i didn't know which one came first well, that was more because, like, I don't think that had anything to do with the with the Rainbow Tour thing. Yeah, I just can't remember what order it happened in the movie, but I know they point that out. Oh, it was no, it was it was after she got it was, home. Yeah, sure. after because she comes home after Paris, like when she faints in Paris, and then I guess she goes to England or somewhere with the British flag there, and then like no, that was it was in Argentina. It was just like where the oh oh like a British embassy. Okay, I don't know if they were actually like occupied or. But like essentially, yeah. Okay, and that's why the, all the chairs are empty because I guess they're rude to her. She's like, "Get them all out! Screw these Brits!" Yeah, she she kicked them out. Yeah, which they're happy about. Yeah, and I I really didn't know too much about Argentina in general, and I'm you know of course not taking this as a historical document, but it also piqued my interest the first time I saw it. I'm like, oh, I had no idea about these this this couple here and their history or necessarily the the turmoil politically with all the revolutions going on over there. 
So it, I mean, I guess in a way, like it's a good introduction to that. Not so much like saying like, oh, it's like you said, it's a historical fact. It's actually maybe like a good introduction for people to, you know, mm-hmm. wet their appetite and be like, all right, like this whole thing is complicated. This is supposed to be like, like the, the, not, this isn't, I don't know if this is the greatest hits or life and death of, but it's definitely like the, this is a story of Evita go look it up and it's a lot more complicated than the stage production is but yeah here's here's a sample yeah and um like a lot of that stuff i guess i mean i don't know a lot about it because my mom obviously left argentina when she was five so she's not gonna have a strong memory but uh, i know that the reason that they left argentina was because all that kind of stuff was still going on and um like guerrilla warfare and stuff and um i remember either my mom or my grandma told me that like the main reason they left was because there were always like people like coming door to door looking for like people who were hiding from the military and Mm -hmm. like like going through people's houses and like hurting their kids and so they actually like um i don't know if they were like refugees but i know that they like fled argentina on a japanese like freighter and like came up to vancouver on on that which is kind of interesting yeah and that was in the early 70s so clearly there was a lot still going on there that was still happening holy crap yeah well fingers crossed that it's reached a more peaceful time these days (laughs) yeah well my mom has a cousin that's still living there and you know i i have her on facebook she seems okay (laughs) (laughs) that's good (laughs) (laughs) i've never met her well i mean argentina is a big place so it depends i guess on the area that's true yeah and i i enjoy the uh I enjoy the look at the the kind of class structures there and the different ways they frame mm. them with the songs, I think is fun. And I like the, the social kind of gender politics stuff with them looking down at her for using all these men, using her sexuality to propel herself into fame. Mm-hmm. Even though he was clearly using her too. Exactly. Yeah. All these, there, there's a whole, whole bunch of creepy dudes falling at her heels, just waiting for their chance. And Well, not even just using her sexually, but like Juan Peron was using her like clearly to... Yeah. Who knows if he would have become president without her like rallying for him? Oh, it's it's at least according to this story, definitely not. Yeah. Because yeah, it was. I mean, they had to do their little workers' revolution that she spearheaded in order to get him out. Mm-hmm. But then you don't know because like part of the reason that the military was unhappy with him was because of her. So maybe that part never would have happened. So who knows? That's true. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think all that stuff's fun. I like the way they play, and I like the. Oh, I forget which song it was now, what the name of it was. When we first see her arriving with that that kind of soon-to-be-washed-up musician, and almost immediately, the first bar they go into, she's dancing with another man, and then it's on to the next one, then on to the next one. I like the way they... Yeah, and they do her little montage. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way they play that. And then it ends in a restaurant with all uh, the has yes. there, and then Banderas kicks them all out. Yeah, and they're singing in their little chorus boy group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty fun. According to this adaptation, I have no idea if that happened in real life, but <laughs> you know, I, I I see it as I guess a <laughs> strength for uh, Avita for using you know what she naturally has, and yeah, it got her there. So it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't see a problem with that. Now, which part do you think didn't happen in real life? That she was doing this with the men, or that they're all <laughs> hanging out there? And no, I think in real life the men were at the bar singing. I'm not saying <laughs> anything at all. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, you know, I agree with Brianna there. Yep. <laughs> All the men just like. I, I wish that happened. I wish life. so too. Hey, did you? Uh, hey, I hear you were with Vita once. Yeah, I was with her. And it's like, hey, bud, I, I gotta join you as well because it's the same thing. <laughs> same here, buddy. Yeah, did you bring your present for like we have? <laughs> <laughs> I like the first guy where where Che just calls him whoever. He doesn't even get a name in that song. Yeah, the photographer. Oh, the sleazy photographer. <laughs> I know, and I was thinking to myself when he first came on, like, wow, he's just hanging out at those auditions, like, looking for a young girl to prey on. Jeez. But then he immediately gets her, like, in all these magazines. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at least he was actually a serious connection somehow. The brother probably vetted him first before she uh, actually took him to the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, okay, just go hang out outside <laughs> this audition. <laughs> yeah, and again, it, it is, these are a lot of sleazy dudes with their leery eyes and She's supposed to be quite young here, and they're just falling on her heels. Well, when she first meets Peron, and he's like, maybe you're my reward. <laughs> yeah, or even the musician at first, he's like, oh, you know, ambition in the cities, you know, it's one thing for a man, but you're a woman, not even a woman, barely more than a child. It's like, hey, did you, didn't you just sleep with her? <laughs> After he sleeps with her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then for some reason, takes her home to his wife. Like, I don't get what was going on there. Like, why didn't he just leave her at the bar? Maybe he was hoping he can argue with his wife to uh, let her move in with them. But he immediately just walked in and <laughs> left her. The woman just like gives her a death glare and closes the door. There, there was a thought I had where it's like, okay, is she gonna, is she gonna try to like, does she actually love Peron or uh, is she gonna keep trying to like, you know, move up to the top or is this the top? Mm. That was there was there was a point in my mind where it's like, but they obviously didn't go anywhere with that. Where it's now like, okay, she's she's with him. He's now he's now become president. And now we see what happens from there. So it's like, okay, I guess, yeah, okay, never mind. <laughs> that, that obviously was the case. Well, yeah, because I mean, that basically was the top, right? Unless she's going to like, oh, like, now let me seduce the king of England. <laughs> I mean, I guess the top would be her becoming president, but who knows? Since his wife, his later wife did become president, that probably would have happened for her if she hadn't died. Yeah. And maybe she realized that the love of the people, she started looking more in their direction, was like, hey, what can I do? Yeah. Went for sainthood. I felt like, you know, movie version-wise, yeah. at least, I felt like she didn't necessarily love Peron, but she definitely grew to, like, really love, like, just being, like, for the people in that way. And, like, being loved by them. There's that weird scene, it was right after uh, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, I, I think, where we see Peron, like, coming to her, her bedroom that night, and the door's locked, and right. he looks, like, dejected. Yeah, she's like, oh, I got what I needed. Don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, but then they have a, a perfectly fine relationship going forward. I was, I was confused by why that what that scene was supposed to say there. Well, he probably just w went out and got his new like call girl. Oh, there you go. Well, hang on a second there, Caleb. Like, because it does. Well, it does seem like you know they they are always like you know perfect with each other. We only ever see that in because that was the one scene I also literally just played for me. Uh, that was that was in privacy. Yeah, this is like everything we see, like where you say, like at least from my perspective, perfectly fine relationship. They're both uh, in public. They they both. Yeah, you're you're right. Yeah, I guess we never see them in the bedroom. You know, the only the only time we see them in private is you know right when she's like on her deathbed. Yeah, did they? I don't know if. Like... And that's when she's like realizing that he loves her. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't know if they had children at all. If they had offspring, mm -mm, but like, no. At least in this, it doesn't indicate if they did. By the way, I love how much she uses uh, Peron's love in her political speeches. I know. And yet is somehow surprised at the end when she finds out that he actually does love her. Yeah, maybe she just got so used to using it as a line that she forgot that it was real. 
Yeah. Like she's she's so numb to the fact that she's had to like you know, I I hopefully it is it does not does not come across as misogynistic, but like that she's been you know sleeping with other guys that she mm. is only doing it to further herself that she doesn't even like I guess she has like turned off to that kind of stuff where she it's not romantic it's just like for her business. Yeah, it's like a tool. Yeah, maybe she yeah doesn't know yeah can't imagine what it is what it's like to have a relationship that isn't transactional. Mm-hmm. Well, she she said in her little montage, she said, you know, like, everyone does it, or whatever, yeah. you know? Like, it, she could, I don't think that she could probably even fathom the idea of a relationship that wasn't based on just, like, getting ahead. Yeah, even her, it, I, I find it interesting that even her relationship with the, the people, it's like she views herself an, as an object for them. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm I'm the hope, I'm the, the face that they need, but not really a real person for them in that way she has become a symbol uh for Mm -hmm. the people themselves uh to bring together and to keep them uh i guess uh happy and bring them bring them having like you said bring them hope uh for Mm -hmm. for those struggling yeah it's interesting that she seemed to immediately recognize that too yeah but i did find it i I started to laugh when when she would do the songs and we'd see every time the same line like come on if, if of course peron loves you if how could he not if he loves me I thought that was funny how much she'd use that and the way they would play it in the songs. And every time it would get the same, everybody would be waving their, their kerchiefs in the air or... But I mean, you saw how all those, like, upper-class people absolutely, like, detested her. Like, it was probably just completely unheard of in their society for the classes to mix that way. Yeah. So it would have felt like such a big thing. Oh, and I love that moment during her... Because she does her Don't Cry For Me Argentina speech... And then she goes back in with the rest of the the kind of elites. And then she runs back out to give another little minor speech. And she's talking about she could take all the money away from the oligarchs. And then we cut to them and they're like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> and everyone's looking around like... Uh, <laughs> even Peron's like looking at her. Like he's smiling, but then he's like looking around. <laughs> it's like, oh, look how spirited she is. But she, you know, some might stab me in the back right now. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. And I think it's shortly after that when we see them. Or maybe it was before in the movie. And we see the the horse golf. What'd you call that again? Their little, the elite game. Isn't that polo? Maybe I don't know. Oh yeah, it was polo. And I was like, look at these these rich fools. You you didn't you've never seen polo in a movie before? If I have, I don't remember. Uh, it was in Transformers last night in the beginning. It was how we introduced that um I guess female character. Well, I was thinking only the richest of the rich play golf on horses. <laughs> it's ma- it's mallets actually not uh not golf not golf clubs that's probably not necessarily true like you probably don't have to own a horse to play polo hey i'm i'm buying it i'm buying it they uh rent horses <laughs> yeah i mean golf is already like seen as a rich person sport exactly that that's why i say yeah now you had the extra hurdle of having to have a horse there too i feel like it's just like a very british thing who's got the caddy is the caddy right around a horse too <laughs> i know it's not golf <laughs> they probably don't have caddies <laughs> <laughs> Oh, where do we go from here? I, I feel like I've gone through a lot of my notes here. So if you guys have anything. Where do we go from here? That's a line in the song that's at the end of the movie. Oh. Uh, I like the... I don't know what the song's called. I mean, I'm looking at this right now. So obviously, d- stop me before I start like just you know doing a commentary of this movie. But uh, <laughs> I, I, d- I did like how the, she, she goes into detail about... Uh, keeping up appearances and getting like all the glam, <laughs> kind of just yeah, but like she yeah. she gets all the glamorous uh, attires and and fanciful, uh, expensive pieces of clothing and and jewelry to 
uh, present herself in front of all like the poor people who just wear you know commoners clothing yeah i think that's the song i was talking about when she yeah she yeah. presents her herself as an object for them there you go yeah I, I quite like that well i never understood that line in the song where she says although i'm dressed up to the nines at sixes and sevens with you i don't know what sixes and sevens with you means yeah, I, I was I wasn't sure either. Does she does she mean that they're dressed up to the sixes and sevens? I, I that's what I wondered. If she's like, even though I'm looking like this, I'm still there with you, even though you look like you know six and a seven. I was like, is that a, is that <laughs> like, a backhanded? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure. Or does she mean that she she dresses lower than the nines when she's hanging out with them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put on my cheap clothes and I'm with you cheap people. <laughs> But I was thinking, looking at all their uh, political banners and signs, I was like, I feel like we don't see this kind of thing anymore. Walking around just like a political a person just face on a, a sign that you're walking around with. In Latin America, you see it. I see it in Mexico when we go. Yeah. In Peru, there was an, when I was in Peru, there was an election happening at the mm-hmm. time, which was kind of a big deal because they were like, oh, like, you're not allowed to, like, talk to any of the locals about their election because we don't want you to like influence them (laughs) because we were like up in like the sticks Mm. you know so like there were a lot of people who would feel very influenced by like a westerner being like you should vote for this person Mm. um but anyways my point is like you did see a lot of those political posters everywhere so i think it's still a common thing there oh that's interesting i kind of like them especially like the the more drawn version i think that's kind of cool yeah and they were like that they were like that they it was a very similar thing or even like i i don't know if you would call this graffiti but like drawn like directly on the buildings oh okay so just a potentially potentially a, just quickly looking this up it uh with like dressed to the nines or the sevens oh potentially maybe uh related to the seven deadly sins oh 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 how uh because it's all the vices it's it's all like um i i I can i can see it now i can fill in the blanks where the seven of these sins are uh kind of as as caleb would say pleasures of the flesh uh where uh you you get enjoyment from all this other stuff so gluttony uh was envy vanity jealous i think vanity is not one of them uh lust seven others i i used to notice a lot beforehand (laughs) but Dressed to the nines, I guess, like ramps it up, like adds two more to the huh. list. Yeah, I don't know about this one. I don't know about this. Potentially, I don't know. Like, you put a pin in that. Put an asterisk, green assault. Oh, okay. Well, I just go- this is a totally different one than what you said. But I'm just looking at a forum, <laughs> so it could be completely wrong. But I googled the lyrics, and um, the this person is saying um, at sixes and sevens is actually a saying that means a state of total confusion and disorder or of disagreement between parties interesting so i maybe she's just trying to say like i'm dressed up to the nines in contrast with you who isn't <laughs> again she's rubbing it in their face <laughs> I, I get i have my all my uh I, I have everything figured out, or at least all my things in order, whereas you guys are still disordered. Yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. Oh, that's weird then. Tim Rice, what were you doing with that line? I feel like I feel like he, he was just like, I need another like number idiom. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I think there's a couple other lines in this, and we question, like, oh, what, what does he mean by that? Uh, it's, it's tough writing a, writing a movie when, or a concept album, where, yeah, it's just constant singing the whole way through. You gotta... Yeah, that's tough. Maybe we got to cut some breaks here or there. 
Remember we thought it was kind of creepy too when Avito is going to be a saint and the little kids were singing to her and like, whoa, we hope that we can be like you. Oh, that was, that's so creepy. Oh, that's what that was. Whoops. I did not realize they made her a saint. Well, they didn't, but they wanted to. Like there was talk of it. Yikes. Yeah. I guess this is just the representation that right before is when she fell ill. So she couldn't do it. But yeah, I thought it was creepy. Those kids, the way that they're standing there. I was like, oh, man. And it was contrasted with... Yeah. And they said, will you look upon me as your own and make me special? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> then it was contrasted with the, the fascism. I guess it's I guess it's not even fascism at this point. There's a lot of um, interesting juxtaposition in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, Che and his crowd getting beaten up and slashed by the, the horses. I'm pretty sure that's another moment when we see Che walking with the, the men. He looks at the camera and, and sings something. I'm pretty sure that mm. was just in... What is there the part where he says turn a blind eye? But he says that more than once. Uh, I think that I think that might be another one too. I'm not sure though. Um, but yeah, no, I don't. I don't really have too much more. There, I did love the line when they said uh, that Avita is a, a fantasy in the bedroom and a saint. I feel like that should have been the tagline <laughs> if you wanted a more like body. What about the part where they said the on, her only good parts are between her thighs? She should stare at the ceiling, not reach for the sky. Damn, that's that's something. And I like the the one all the guys are like, Argentine men call the sexual shots. Someone has altered the rules. I like that too. <laughs> Just the way they sing it, I thought was quite funny. What about when they said tarts have become the set to know? <laughs> <laughs> like, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're always the set to know, but maybe, maybe, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I love tarts. There you go. Yeah. But uh, yeah, any lingering thoughts from you guys before we, before we move close to the end here? I would like to say, why does why does Magaldi have to ring the doorbell at his own house? Oh, yeah, with his wife and kids? Mm. Well, like I said, maybe they're like, hey, we don't want him. He's got all these girls coming around all the time. You know, his mistresses. So maybe they keep the door locked and they don't give him a key anymore in case he gives one out. <laughs> but I do love um, during the, the Buenos Aires uh, Big Apple song. Well, that she's got her family there, too, and they're all just harassing him. Like, take her with you. He's like, oh, no, no, I, I couldn't do it. And yeah, her family's right in his face. <laughs> I think that's fun. That guy's like, why don't you be the man who discovered her? You'll never be remembered for your voice. And it was true in the end, because I'm pretty sure he's a real guy. Oh, oh, that's interesting. I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like that song quite a bit. Um, But I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess we have come around to the end here. And I guess we'll go into final thoughts. I know, Brianna, you don't much care for those. But do you have any final thoughts for this one? Final summation? I liked how it started with her funeral and ended with her funeral and like the casket procession thing. Yeah. And I, I, I remember somebody when I was a kid telling me that that, that line up to see her casket in real life, people stood in line for days to do that. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I am, no, I liked, I liked how it kind of like started and ended on the same note. Yeah. I like that too. And it ended so abruptly. Would that be considered in media's res? In a way, in a way. I think less so just because it's more just kind of throwing you in and giving you a moment to feel confused before they yeah, pull you back. Mm. But yeah, and you'd say that you, you like this one quite a bit. Would you say it's one of your, your favorite musicals, that kind of thing? Me? Yeah, yeah, just for, for final thoughts. Well, of course it's my favorite musical. <laughs> like Everybody <laughs> knows that. I'm pretty sure I made that clear. Well, yeah, that's that's the redundant part of the final thoughts is, yeah, you kind of repeat what you've You kind of just tie up what you've said in a bow just for the end. What's the point of that? Well, 
Uh, Isaac? I, I, why, why would I repeat myself on the same podcast where everybody already heard what I said? Uh, just in case anyone skipped to the end. Like, should I really watch this movie? They can skip back. <laughs> Re- reiteration. That's that's the whole key. I'm just like, re- re- like... So to reiterate, let me just say everything I've already said in this whole podcast. It'll be another uh, hour and ha- an hour and a half. I hope you guys don't mind. No, that would be really redundant. Yeah. <laughs> wasting time as if you were a college student who didn't know how to write a paper well, like, <laughs> there you go exactly. did i say that out loud uh or you're trying to just like waste a bunch of letters or waste a bunch of word counts so that you know you know you just like and in conclusion i'm just gonna say the whole essay again <laughs> so i can run, run, run this word count to a thousand or exactly. ten thousand whatever it is so okay oh, what no. you can do is you can just loop loop everything we just did as my uh final thoughts <laughs> I was going to say, now we're going to get emails from Isaac's professors. Like, that's why your, your <laughs> essays are written like that. Oh, but how about you, Isaac? What are, what are your final thoughts for this this film here? You know, I think it just hit me as to why, why they cast Madonna for this role. Mm. Because, like, culturally, and I, I don't know. Oh. This, this, okay, so, hear me out. Yeah. This wouldn't work, I think, nowadays. <laughs> or, I guess it could work nowadays, but you have to pick the right person, like... Mm. like madonna was everywhere like she, like i said she was the like the queen of pop yeah so like everybody loved her so that's why they cast her because just to give like audience like american audience members an understanding of, like this is how important she was like everybody loves madonna obviously she had her, she had her controversies so did yeah i can see um evita herself probably did the real life one excuse me so it's like that's kind of why they they did it and so like i guess like if they wanted to do something so not obviously to like a like a new version of Evita, but if they were to do something similar with uh somebody in like if they were gonna do a musical like for say like princess diana hear me out they could use taylor swift for instance because she's huge so it's like that's how like important princess diana was oh see that's not quite the direction i thought you were going i thought you were gonna say because with with all these kind of moralistic elites criticizing her like oh look at her she's you know using her sexuality you know she's 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 low class oh i was thinking you're saying that with madonna because she was in her early days getting a ton of criticism for her sexuality well that's true too yeah that's also a good point there was that and i forgot about that but i was just more thinking you could use britney spears <laughs> yeah yeah britney yeah spears. exactly yeah no that i never thought about that connection with madonna and the, the actual historical figure but yeah, no, that fits. I I would think that she probably related to her a lot. Yeah, I think I think that's what Caleb's favorite director Baz Luhrmann likes to do with <laughs> oh, music, no. where he likes to <laughs> where he likes to bring in like contemporary uh, music of you know whatever whatever age it is, and puts it in uh, his movies just to give people a feeling for like how the music of the day felt, if, if that makes sense. So using modern hits, translating to what people of the day felt uh with with the with the music of the day does that make sense yeah i get what you're saying uh, is that why he does that mm. uh, i don't know that's what that's just what somebody <laughs> told me so just like hey sense. he's your favorite director what are you talking about <laughs> you should know this uh, oh but um yeah would you say that you would uh, revisit this one recommend it uh yeah what, what do you got there i will i would actually sooner want to uh watch the like the stage adaptation of this like mm-hmm. watch it on stage uh, before I go back to this, this is not like throwing it under the bus or the, or the train, excuse me, at, at all. But just <laughs> I, I kind of want to see a stage musical of this. 
uh, over the movie just to get what I was talking about because I feel like I, I all, all my imagination is sore, but I guess it's been too tainted with with this movie and what it's like this movie will make me think of the the play over mm. uh the stage itself so it is what it is though i'm not like i recommend listening to the concept album yeah there you go that's, yeah check it out it's a good idea it's quite i cool. think i will do that instead uh not instead and if i remember it's like an all british cast so their kind of accents bring a different uh flavor to it as well mm-hmm. if my memories are correct brandy you probably know better than me i mean i would assume i i don't know for sure Oh, but for my final summation, I'll say, yeah, when I first saw this, I was like, oh, I like it. You know, a light, uh, light feeling. It would definitely listen to some of those songs back, but I felt it was a little bit overlong and I, it, it took me a while to get into the style. You thought it was light? A light feeling it for me. Like light, oh. uh, I lightly liked it. I thought you meant like you thought the story was light. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, that's an interesting take. Late Tay for Evita. <laughs> oh, but I have my fourth viewing today. And many, many hours of hearing the music playing over the years. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've heard all the songs, yeah, like 20 times or more each <laughs> at this point. With just it playing in the car when we drive. So I, I feel like I've got a, a much stronger connection to it now. And going back and seeing the songs put back to the images. Yeah, I know it. I like this one quite a bit. And I, I also echo again, to be redundant, that I really wish that they would do more movie musicals like this with the the opera style Mm -hmm. i was gonna ask um because i know that like tommy is a rock opera like does it have dialogue oh that's a good question i know that we watched that a few years ago but i i don't remember too well yeah that one feels like it was mostly singing as well now that you say that Mm. well maybe one to revisit potentially one day that could be fun for the podcast yeah have you ever seen tommy isaac (laughs) um if I mean, I don't know if I have. I don't think I have. But can you uh, give me a summary of, of what it's about? Is it about a <laughs> real life person, or is it what is it? A summary of Tommy. No, it's like about this guy who like sees his mom get murdered or something, and and then um, he goes like, um, what's the word? Like deaf and mute, but on purpose. What's the word? I'm looking for <laughs> psychosomatic. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Like he selective. Maybe I'm thinking of like selective mutism. But yeah, like he goes um, deaf and blind and mute. But like it's just in his head, and it's it's a really weird musical. I think it's the Who. Yeah, that, that yeah, I'm pretty sure. And and it's a crazy, crazy movie. Elton John shows up. I'm pretty sure that's where the song "Pinball Wizard" premiered in. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he has a crazy sequence in that. And the whole movie's just bizarre. And it's it's another one that came from a concept album, I assume. Oh, okay. I'm just assuming. I mean, usually I feel like rock musicals do come from concept albums most of the time. Uh, well, yeah, but potentially one to, re- to to watch one day. But, but yeah, I would say absolutely, if, if you haven't seen Evita, uh, check it out. I, I think it's well worth a watch. And yeah, I don't feel like it comes up too much. Like Like I said before we met, I'd never heard of it. Isaac, you said that you hadn't heard of it either. Nope. So it, it could it could use some exposure, some more exposure, I think. Although my parent, when I told my parents I was doing this tonight, uh, they had heard of it. Nice. Saying that, yeah, it's a uh, it's a controversial movie. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, everybody that I've made made watch it has liked it. Although from what I like, people who are like big musical people, I feel like don't like it. Most people I I've seen say that it they think it's Andrew Lloyd Webber's weakest, which of course you can't really 
you can't decide that based on the movie version anyways but (laughs) um from what i've seen like most like big musical people don't like it that much but most like regular people like it no i could i could definitely see if you're you know not a music yeah if you're not in the theater you're gonna like it if you are in theater you're gonna love this film (laughs) and or i guess this musical as well 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 i certainly love musicals and i i quite like this one and uh yeah, that's that's all I got for it. But uh, but thank you, Brianna, for your suggestion. Very happy to, uh, or your pick, I should say. Very happy to go back to this one and discuss it with the two of you. Looking forward to Isaac, your next pick, which you said was Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah, God, Caleb, get it right. <laughs> hey, I've never seen it. I don't know. Maybe it's not going to be so amazing for me. Maybe I'll. Uh... I've actually, you actually have seen it because we've watched it together before. <laughs> oh no, this is. Oh no, this is not a good sign for this. So, plot twist, uh, Caleb finds it very forgettable. Oh, no. Well, I guess I'll find out in a rewatch. Uh, but, um, yeah, would you like to... Do you have any final words of wisdom for us, Isaac? Would you like to take us take us home? Uh, I'll just give a... I don't know, I, I, I guess like an advertisement saying, go, uh, if you're peeved off about this, go, go educate yourself. <laughs> go educate yourself on the real happenings of Avila Peron. Uh, excuse me and and you know what what that whole thing because it is fascinating i think it's, i think it's truly fascinating go you look up argentinian history educate yourself so that you don't become ignorant the next time peace <laughs>